Hello. Tap, tap, tap. Is this thing on? This is on. How you doing? <laughs> What's up, Mike? How's it going? Good, good. All right, everybody. Today we have Mike Zarillo on here, the original Charlotte Hornet Hugo. It is a true honor to have him on here today. Welcome, Mike. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go ahead and cue the intro. Ba-boom. Welcome to another edition of Between the Fur. I'm your host, Ken, and it's Mascot Talk. Between the Fur. Yeah, welcome, man. This is uh, this is Between the Fur, where we talk about mascot stuff. And uh, I'm a professional mascot. Mike, he is a former professional mascot, was in the league for what? How many years? Uh, 17 years, 1990 Seven. to 2007. 1990 to 2007. Wow. Okay, so that is a real big run. And, uh, you know, Mike had a, a great impact on not only the, the, the league, but mascotting itself. And I remember some, some, some stories about you and performed with you several times. Uh, and we'll get into that. But, Mike, tell me how you started. You were back uh, in Arizona or something. You, 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 uh, you started where? Um, yeah, I was a gymnast at Arizona State. And um, that's what I did my, my whole high school and college career was based off of gymnastics. And um, we ended up winning a national championship at Arizona State my junior year. And some of my teammates um, uh, got involved in the mascotting world. Uh, a gentleman out in Phoenix, he got a job as the Phoenix Suns mascot in 1988. And uh, two years into that, he found out about an opening in Charlotte. And uh, they asked him if he wanted to move and become their mascot because they liked everything that he was doing. He was one of the first dunking mascots coming from a gymnastics background. Um, so he was happy at, in Phoenix and actually is still there for 31 years. Um, <laughs> Crazy. So, yeah. So he's, he told me about it. He said, I have a roommate that can pretty much do most everything I can do. And, you know, he's a good guy and might want to take a look at him. So he told me about it and helped me construct a, a video for to send in. I guess there was about almost about 100 videos that were sent in for people looking to do that position. And then I went in for an audition. Um, and I think I was one of the only ones that was a gymnast that uh, did dunking, brought my own mini trampoline. They supplied the mat. And I think that got me to the final. Um, Wait, you brought your own trampoline? Yep. I uh, had one from the Arizona State. I was um, a graduate assistant coach out there. So I, they let me borrow one. And I brought, because I wasn't sure what they would have provided for me. Um, the mat was a little <laughs> suspect. <be> so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, I did some dunks there. And then I came back again. They had a draft party in uh, 1990 they drafted Kendall Gill and they at that point the Hornets and Charlotte were just crazy and they had 10,000 people at a draft party so they set up a court and had everyone audition and uh, again did um, mostly just dunks at that one and that kind of won it over and got the job and came out here in August of 1990 and have been here ever since wow what a what a great story. You know, in fact, um I remember um gosh, when Charlotte first became a team and everything, the Hornets came into the league. It was a huge deal. I mean, they were they were they were I mean, it was 
such it was mayhem out there wasn't it yeah it was crazy we had the uh, the largest arena almost uh, 25 just under 25,000 it seated and it was it was not built for the hornets it was built for a acc tournament which is actually going on at this time in the new arena here in charlotte but um they were basketball crazy and the hornets were an overnight success like four teams came in I think at the same time, the Timberwolves, the Hornets, the Miami Heat, and the Orlando Magic. And um, they all had pretty good support in their cities. NBA expanding like that hasn't happened again since then. They've added a couple more, the Grizzlies and the Raptors. But um, that was unprecedented. And the support here in town was was crazy. And I I got here, actually not the original, two years after they had started. So um, when I got here, we... We changed the costume a little bit and created a alternate character um, that hadn't been done before. So I could do the use my gymnastics background to do the dunks in the in the most impressive ways possible. I could dunk in the in the big costume as Hugo, but then we created Super Hugo to be able to get to the next level, <laughs> which really became, I think, overall. You know, there's been others like superhero or spandex type of characters uh that 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 were kind of a uh, a super you know hero super you know even even grizz down in um um memphis, memphis. Yeah. yeah i mean he the, he still does the super uh super grizz character and you know but i tell you i think the uh um you know overall looking back hugo uh i mean uh super hugo gosh everybody just really took to him i mean especially because of the dunks and everything so I have a picture of you, uh, me, the gorilla, and um, <laughs> the Timberwolf. Yeah. And we're, yeah. So we're like this picture at the All-Star Game 1991. In Charlotte. Yep, my first year. In Charlotte. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That and was... you're standing there in Super Hugo. And uh, that, was, that was my first season. And I, I did, I had no clue what I was doing. I was like two, three months into my career and they sent me out there to the all-star game to dunk. I was not a dunker. I was not a gymnast. I was a backyard gymnast. You know, I could, uh, I could flip off of anything or I could, uh, you know, it was just me bouncing off things mostly, but, uh, you know, here they are saying all of a sudden you're going out to the all-star game to be in the, in the mascot dunk contest. And I was like, wait, what? So I practiced and practiced and practiced and uh, ended up actually injuring my, my right leg uh, and popping one of my, my uh, pop my quad muscle actually, which is still never been reconnected. But anyways, um, so I actually went out there and dunked with you that first time. And that was when, you pulled out the famous bug on the windshield dunk that just blew everybody's minds. Loved that, that and it just that was, carried it puts you on the map. Yeah, that that there's a little different timeline to that though. Um actually I'm looking at a picture in my office right now and Crunch is standing there. It was a picture that I did it was a front flip dunk at that all star game, and that was also my first year. So I practiced and practiced oh, wait, the so same I'm, way. Yeah. The, the, okay. Uh, so I'm off then. Go ahead. Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, 
that was the first time they ever had a mascot slam dunk contest. It was my first year in the league and I didn't know what an all-star game was like or anything like that. I, none of us did. We were all, it was the first time the NBA started to use the mascots. So it was a pretty big deal. And, um, when, uh, the guy, uh, in Phoenix had tried out for the gorilla. He had tried to do a front flip and I saw that and was spotting him and he hit his legs on the rim and came down on his neck and almost really injured himself. So kind of deemed that was kind of dangerous. So I thought it could be done still. And I kind of did it in an angle so that you took the rim out of the way and did a, a front flip dunk there. And that hadn't been done by a mascot right. before. So it was kind of, and I was in my own hometown. So that kind of set the stage and really helped. It was a little rough that first year for me because we had changed the costume, um, created the super character and people are a little, had, had already latched onto the Hornets and, and liked what they had already had, but this was just a different way of doing it. So that kind of solidified me in the, in the city and, around the country of people seeing that. And um, it got me a lot of notoriety. They played it a lot on sports center. And then the next two years, um, they continued to have that mascot slam dunk contest. And next year it was in Orlando and I did a dunk that I Velcroed a basketball to a hockey helmet on my head and dunked the ball in with my head. And then the <laughs> third year was that's in Utah. Right. And that's when I did the, I uh, the bug on the windshield, which got the most, um, airtime and really helped catapult my career and <clears throat> excuse me and uh, got me a lot of international trips and notoriety and um, again solidified me with our home team here too um, and then I didn't get asked to back to a NBA all-star game for five years or so so and they <laughs> did away you with put the you over the top man <laughs> well they, they did away with the competition as well so they really did, and it, it was interesting because it was. I think my 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 personal opinion is that they they it was actually getting too big. And they, I think, yeah, I think it was putting a um, shining too bright of a light there and taking away from what they were doing at the the regular guys uh, slam dunk contest. So yeah, and, it was getting too big, too and, big of a following. And I think there was so many more guys that started dunking now since there was only a few of us in the beginning, and then every team wanted to have it and. It seemed maybe it wasn't the most fair to have the same guys going every year because the other guys didn't get a chance. So then they made it kind of a an exhibition of dunking, which I don't know. Maybe I'm biased because um, I had success at it. But even if I didn't, I like the idea of a competition. I actually got it written into my contract after that third time that if I won another slam dunk contest, I'd get a bonus. And then I didn't get asked back again. <laughs> for. <a competition>. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I asked my uh, vice president, I said, you didn't tell them not to ask me anymore because of this bonus, did you? He said, no, we'd, we'd love to pay it. We'd love for you to go again. So um, it was that was huge for you, though. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about the uh, the, the basketball on the helmet. Dunk yeah, too. that was in Orlando. <laughs> I'm looking at that. I love that. My office has uh, my wife made me get all these pictures out of our house. So it's got a picture of that. And there's like Will Smith is standing there looking at a heavy D. Mayim Bialik, who's now on that um, other show, and Urkel, and <laughs> that's right. I have that same picture. That's Carlton. right. Yeah, yeah. Ahmad Rashad and stuff, and Curly Neal. Yeah, it was. Uh, those were some fun times we got to do at that one in Orlando. 
security was really high and uh, we got sequestered to a, a locker room because they were worried we were going to go try to get autographs from celebrities, which I, I didn't get that, but so we didn't have any credentials. <laughs> so then uh, the boys to men was just starting to get popular. So they came in and harmonized in the bathroom, um, in the shower, in the locker room where we were. So they were trying to get ready for the anthem and they were singing a song. And then we ended up having a mascot versus boys to men basketball game out there. So it was some pretty cool experiences. Man, unbelievable stuff. You never think that this kind of stuff goes on behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, that's awesome. You know, I remember that first one in Charlotte uh, coming out, you know, literally I'm like two or three months in the, uh, into my career and speaking of getting autographs and celebrities and players and all that stuff. I remember walking out of the locker room and uh, almost running into Michael Jordan. Yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's Michael Jordan right there. And I was never into autographs or anything like that or, or uh, let alone the NBA. I mean, I, I don't think I ever really even watched an NBA game all the way through before I got hired. But, you know, to step out and almost run into Michael Jordan, I was like, ha, okay. That's cool. Yeah. But okay. So another thing about that first dunk contest, I got to tell you, is I remember standing there uh, when that picture was taken of all four of us, uh, Bob Costas was standing right there and he was doing some kind of announcing or whatever, but he made some kind of snide remark about me. <laughs> Never been a fan of him since. <laughs> I have not liked the guy since. It just and takes once. that's right i'm like this guy is a jerk so (laughs) yeah i remember it was um, kevin McHale was commentating the uh with him i think um the that's right yeah 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 all i remember though is bob costas saying something snide about me i i I made my dunk and but it was i mean it had no comparison to to uh the three other dunks that happened so well, you had a lot of yeah. good dunks. You were a very impressive dunker. Oh, whatever. I had to. I, I had to get creative, but still couldn't couldn't put one, throw one down like you guys did. I mean, gosh, the gorilla. You. I mean, I remember the gorilla pulling out the uh, dunk in New York where he made this huge. Um, what was it? It was that's your um, liberty, or it was the um. um, um <laughs> what is it? We're both spacing it. Yeah. Um, the Empire State Building. Yes, that's it. King yeah. Kong on the Empire State Building. It took yeah. all of us to let it fall and so he could dunk. Yeah. yeah. Pushing this big building over so he could could dunk it. Yeah. That's good it, when you have an unlimited budget. I, <laughs> I, I know. Yeah, we will not get into budget because uh, I will start to cry. But He just left that um, whole thing in New York, too. So it was too expensive <laughs> to ship it back. That's right. He told yeah. me about the shipping on that. I mean, yeah. they had crates and yeah, uh, it was unbelievable. When he showed up with that, I was like, okay, yeah, um, I, yeah. I got, I got nothing. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna dunk. In fact, he can have my time. I don't yeah. know. So I remember actually at that one trying to figure out how I could dunk on my stilts, like, like go down and go off the trampoline. Oh uh, yeah, I remember on... you practicing that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, ah. Uh, Come on, I got to go big, but yeah. That's... My favorite memory there, though, was, I don't know if you remember it during the game. It was shortly after the 
Mike Tyson Evander Holyfield fight when Mike Tyson bit his ear. Uh-huh. And Mike Tyson was uh, somewhat inebriated walking through the back hallways. And um, Boomer had, was walking down with his smiley little panther face. And Mike Tyson just put a right cross right to his head. And he came what? running back. He was so impressed. Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson just punched me in the face, in my mascot <laughs> face. He said it didn't really hurt me. But he's like, everyone was like, you cannot let Mike Tyson – walk over next to Vander Holyfield because they didn't know what was going to happen. But, yeah, that was Boomer's <laughs> claim to fame, getting punched in the face by Mike Tyson. And that was before oh. The Hangover. <laughs> the movie. Oh, God, that's great. I didn't yeah. know that one. Gosh, we had some crazy fun times at those All-Star games. I remember uh, I actually had – I think it was the one in Utah. And, you know, they used to bring in – they used to bus in thousands and thousands of kids yeah. for the uh, stay-in-school stay jam. Yeah. Or, yep. And this big promotion with uh, Ahmad Rashad. He would host it. And um, – It was on the comedian. TNT. Yeah. Yeah. The comedian um, – um, 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 I can't remember. But I actually had uh, one of my assistants um, ball on his finger. Mm-hmm. And, yep, and so my deal was I was going to have him stand on a chair or stand on something or whatever, spin the ball, and, you know, and keep it spinning for a little bit while I go down, take it out of his hands, and do a reverse dunk or whatever. Well, yeah, he spun it. He was a young kid, too. He spun it, he spun it, and just at the last second, it fell off his finger. (laughs) And so I, I had nothing. Yeah, a yeah. lot of things got to go was... right. It's easy for something to go wrong. I remember the first one, especially. Yeah. They had a. I happened to be doing my dunk from running from the sideline and then to do the front flip. But they never told us. They just brought kids out half the court and gave us half the court to do the, the dunk. And then in some instances, they had a stage in the middle of the court. So you had to kind of. Yeah, run that's right. Or do something. And it wasn't there in rehearsals. So. You had to kind of adapt, so. Yeah, and then they also had the camera guys running yep, in front the of you, running behind yeah, you. Yeah, it was cables, crazy. kids. Yep. Wow, that's yeah. awesome. So, so in your time, I mean, how many countries did you go to? Speaking of, uh, you know, you said uh, it, it it brought a lot of international trips and stuff. Yeah, there was. I mean, what? what where did you end uh, up going? Been to Argentina a few times, Australia with the. NBA and a moderate shot and only five players. So it was a, a different experience than all-star games or anything. So we were a small bunch and all stayed together and got to really know some of the people. So that was a, it was me and the gorilla down there for about two and a half weeks. That was a pretty cool one. The McDonald's in invitational they would have every year in Paris. And my first year I went there, it was with the Lakers and Magic was still on the team and the Laker girls. So it was kind of my first international trip that I went all by myself, brought my trampoline and had to figure out a taxi from the airport to get to the hotel and figure everything out. I've never traveled internationally for that. So it was it was a, a learning and a very good experience. My, one of my favorite ones was um, this uh, company would – bring me to Marseille, France, and they'd have a French national championship and do a few games. And he had trade out with, he worked for a Eurocopter and had trade out for everything. So I got to bring over my assistant, uh, my fiance, 
flew over business class. He gave us a rent a car for 18 days afterwards. And we just drove through Italy after and put us up in Monte Carlo for a couple nights. So some really unique experiences that I thought would just continue on through my life. But looking back at it now, uh, those were once in a lifetime opportunities. And I'm so happy and um, lucky that I, I got to do it. And everything was usually paid for. And um, you didn't have to set up a whole lot of the stuff on your own. So it was some, some real cool experiences. That's amazing. Isn't it interesting how we have gotten to travel the world on somebody else's dime. And then just to make it even more special here, this guy gives you a, a, a car. You can travel around. I, I remember the trip to, uh, I, I think I went the next year after you did to Australia uh-huh. and went with like Gary Payton and yeah, I was, uh, I was supposed to be Akeem on Elijah. I was and, supposed to be on that tra- trip too. Akeem was on the one I went on. Except I tore my Achilles uh, in the playoff game, so I wasn't stepping on my foot for another a good six months. So that was uh, oh. I was gonna well, lucky for me, you got well, hurt. Uh, you probably would have been as as well. <laughs> I, I don't think I um, re- would have replaced anybody, but I think they were trying to build it and grow it a little bit more. So it was a fun trip, though. Yeah, but how you and we? I still have relationships from that trip i mean scotty brooks was on that trip and you know how you said uh you built relationships got to know these guys yeah i uh i got to know kenny smith greg anthony greg anthony yeah i even saw scotty brooks the other day and uh he's just like dude i can't believe you're still (laughs) here i can't believe you're still doing this and uh like yeah man so but those were some uh, those are some fun trips in fact I remember, uh, you know, they would take us actually to uh, the Gold Coast for a yep. few days in between shows yep. and let we us did that too. chill out on the beach. Yeah. yeah. But then driving in a, so um, a Jeep that has the shifter and clutch on the wrong side um, with, with my friend, from, <laughs> friend from Phoenix, we almost died in one of those roundabouts because he couldn't get the gear shifted into gear. <laughs> oh, he's, he was yeah. driving? Yeah, that was crazy. Oh, that's awesome. But I did happen to... I actually asked them to let me drive. Uh, I did happen to hit a casino in almost every place because I enjoy that part of it. So it was unique experiences and all all the different casinos all over the world as well. Um, Australia was really that's different. Right. You could wear shorts in there, but you had to have socks, black socks up to your knees. And yeah, <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> And then you could bet on other people's hands. So I was betting and playing blackjack and I had like six other people betting on my hand, but you made all the decisions. So I'm betting a a low denomination. These guys, there was, you know, probably a thousand dollars on each of my hands that I, they're just staring at me. I had to make the decision. So I started talking to one of the guys that kept doing it, uh, betting on my hand. And he said, yeah, I've been to the United States once I was in the federal penitentiary and, uh, Leavenworth, and I was like, okay, it might be time to cash out here. <laughs> I don't want to get a bad run of cards and have this guy coming after me. So, man, that's right. You were always hitting the casino, you and uh, the yeah. gorilla. Well, we grew um, up in or went to college in Phoenix, and it was I went for my 21st birthday, and it was $48 round trip flights on US Air or America West every hour. So, it's pretty easy to get up there and back. So, I made it, I made it a little too <laughs> convenient, so I'm glad I live 
further away from casinos now. So I remember one down in uh, uh, Puerto Rico. Yeah, I think uh, the gorilla was on that one. I don't no, think you were on that, that one, one, but yeah, the coyote uh, Tim Dirk yeah. back then. Man, he we went into the casino. I just watched him. He just could play crap in well. everything he touched. Yeah. Yes, yes, he taught me how to yeah. play that, and he just cashed in. And then he walks over to the roulette table and throws down. Uh, I don't know. He he threw something on black and you know yeah. won another three hundred dollars. And then I don't know, not but you guys, you guys were always looking for a spot to gamble. <laughs> yeah, that's when we used to have the Man. mascot conference in Vegas every year, but eventually it got a little too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because people only tell you about the That's stories right. when they win. They don't tell you the other ones. Right. Hey, so go back to Australia yeah. real quick. That's one of my favorite trips. I actually did two trips down there. On one of them, the guy did let me drive on you know on the way back. We drove all the way out to go horseback riding. They took us horseback riding. Oh, wow. And, yeah, and so they, uh, the, I, I asked the guy to let me drive the van on the way back. And uh, so I did go through one of those roundabouts. And uh, with him yelling at me, no, 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 the other way, the other way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but on that one, we we went horseback riding. And I got to tell you this, and this was so fun. We went down there uh, to the out to this ranch. And uh, it was just after, like, the man from Snowy River. I know that's an old yeah. movie. kind of dates yeah. me. But uh, the man from Snowy River was still kind of fresh. It was starting to get... Uh, get worn off there and everything but they put us in these big old slicker coats and everything and the hats and everything and i thought for sure we were just going to be like nose to tail nose to tail you know all in a straight line doing this horseback ride and we uh we got off the property and we got out into a field before we got into the hills and this field this field was filled with kangaroos and yeah i'm like and i and i i I looked at the guide and I said, Hey, um, can we run these? He's like, he's like, for sure, mate. (laughs) He's like, get on it, mate. Go. I'm like, really? Yeah. So I, I mean, I immediately kicked these horses and this horse that I was riding and that thing shot out and I started chasing kangaroos (laughs) on this horse. Couldn't believe it. I mean, they were scattering like, like, birds on you know and just just bouncing everywhere over fences and everything i'm chasing these kangaroos and just thinking this is so unbelievable so i'm like when will i ever get to do this again never yeah that was also the same trip that i almost died out in the ocean (laughs) um when it got dark and i was out in the ocean and a shark came up in front of me and i yeah, well, that's the good thing yeah. about Australia. That was, uh, They're not a big group of rule followers. That place was based no! off. They're sending all their uh, prisoners out to an island, so they don't really have too much <laughs> need for rules out there. Right now, now that's the that's the last frontier yeah. right there. Yeah. Anyway, so injuries. You you uh you tore your Achilles. Yeah, that was the first what, um, first major one. That was the first one. I, I've had I had a couple like torn cartilage and just a scope and was back at it within six weeks or so. But this one was um the the all star game that was in Phoenix. Um 
the gorilla out there used an air pressure catapult and our owner was out there and saw him do that. And he's, he's from uh, Kannapolis, North Carolina. So he's got a little bit of a, a Southern accent. And he came back and he said, Michael, that boy out there did something that was really impressive. I want to see if you can do that. Maybe we can do it for the playoff games. So I went and found somebody <laughs> um, that could help me with that. And we hired him and I had one day of training on it. And uh, we had, we were playing the Chicago Bulls in 95 in the playoffs. It was first round playoff series. So it was Michael Jordan was still on the team and we, uh, we did it at the first game and I did it from the, free throw line and then moved it all the way back past the three-point line and made both of them and it was it was a different animal this catapult you take off a of one leg you only take about three or four steps onto it and you have to totally commit because it'll sweep your legs out from on you and it's a lot of pressure so he said you're doing great and we were practicing before game two um it was when you did um two games at, at each place before you moved to the other team city um and he's like I, I think you can move it back a little bit more and what i'm just going to turn the pressure up a little bit so it was like uh 1300 pounds of pressure per square inch and i i was God. only two and a half steps from half court and in practice did it and it just took my whole foot and the top of my foot touched my shin so it tore my achilles as well as three pieces of bone off my heel, all the ligaments that run down the side of your knee were now or ankle were now on the top of my foot. And it, I knew something. I, I only went about 14 feet in the air and landed on the crash pad, but I knew something was wrong. So I ended up going to the hospital. Yeah. I couldn't tell what was wrong with it. They just did an x-ray and saw the bone fragments and put a cast on it, sent me back. And I got a knock on the door in my locker room. I had my leg up. Michael, it's just not the same with you out, not out there. We need to beat this team. So is there something you can do? So I put my whole costume on, tights over the uh, the cast and crutches and went out and did the whole game with no pain medicine and nothing yet. So um, everyone thought it was some type of a skit where I'm going to throw the crutches down and start tumbling and stuff like that. But that was the last time I stepped on my right foot for – almost six months. It was six months of a lot of therapy. And through that therapy, one of our players, his name was Scott Burrell, happened to have partially torn his Achilles at the same time. So we went through physical therapy together and ended up being another guy that was a good friend of mine. He was in my wedding eventually and still talk to him to this day. But that was the, the first and the, probably one of the worst. Our, our two team doctors wrote it up. They had two different sides of my foot that they did surgery on. And they said it was pretty much equivocal to stepping on a landmine. Um, and so they wrote up a paper on it and their students that were studying it were like, why would somebody do this? <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> well, let me tell you a little background. <laughs> but eventually got all the way back, was able to do everything and do dunks again. I never again uh, uh, utilized the, uh, catapult or air ram um i learned enough air ram, to yeah. stay away from that um but did do a whole lot more stunts and everything and eventually several more surgeries uh um compressed disc in my neck and had to have a uh, fusion done i did that during the all-star breaking only missed 
three games, which now looking back at it at age 54, I should have definitely taken the rest of the year off to let that heal because I've had four <laughs> subsequent neck surgeries since then. Another just about a year and a half ago, a plate put in my neck with eight screws and three more vertebrae fused together. So um, sometimes you pay for it later on, but I, I was always of the mindset from the gymnastics background, just do some therapy, get it back and get back out there. So I ended up only missing that's right. I'll never get yeah. old. <laughs> I only ended up missing those three games and one other game in the whole 17 years of doing it. And the other one was because I, the doctors made me get my appendix out on the day of the game. I was trying to convince them to let me do the game first. And they said, well, if it ruptures in your costume, you'll immediately be sick, uh, vomit all over the place. Your whole abdomen will be full of bile and we'll have to clean out and there's a high chance of getting infection. So I was like, all right, I'm going to miss my uh, fourth game in 17 years. So, but that was, uh, so if anyone out there ever thinks <laughs> that this is just a easy job, anybody can do it. No, <laughs> talk about a real man, a real commitment right here. Mike Zarillo. Man, but, I'll tell you, that is that is impressive. Go ahead. And then five days after I had my appendix out, the team was in Oklahoma City at the time, so I lived in Charlotte. So for four years, um, well, we moved down to New Orleans when the team moved down there with my wife, and I just had a one-year-old daughter, and we didn't want to raise our family there. We had some better connections and uh, family here in Charlotte, so the team let me live in Charlotte and travel down for games, so I'd come down and do two or three games and come back and kind of very light schedule during the summer but we were in Oklahoma City so I had my appendix out waited a day came home for two days and then got back there and that day we were playing the Miami Heat and I already had it set up that I was going to dunk through a hoop of fire so the fire marshal was already engaged with it and so I did one in practice and then one in the game but five days if anyone's ever had appendix surgery five days after Appendix surgery, dunking through a hoop of fire is a challenge as well. Guy, I can't even imagine. Seriously, this is that that is amazing. I I I had no idea. I didn't know any of this happened. I knew that you folded your your uh, foot back. Yeah, but no, that was the, the worst one. And then just hey, and I I'm sure yeah. you've had uh, several of your own. I mean, everybody that's been in it, maybe they haven't had as many surgeries, but they've had plenty enough injuries to rehab through and tape up and just get out there and put on that costume and let the costume smile for you. So I know I'm not the only one that's been through that's a right. lot of this stuff, but um, I have had 14 surgeries. So that's, it's a lot of time going under. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the record guy. That's impressive. And you know what though is, is, is don't you just, you know, being on this side of it, on on the inside of the costume and everything, you really do feel like, hey, I can do this, you know, I and and I want to do this, and I want to get back in there, and I I don't want to I don't want to appear as anything less. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to take any time off. I don't want to, you know, it, in in any other job, when is somebody saying, yeah, no, you know what, let me get right back to it. Yeah, um, I don't want to sit out that long, or I don't want to rehab. I don't want to, you know, whatever. I'll you know, us, we're like, ah, yeah, you know what? I'm, uh, you know, I broke my back. Yeah. And the doctor gave that. me, yeah, the doctor gave me six weeks. He's like, you have got to take six weeks. I'm like, okay, I'm back in at six weeks. 
the team actually had to say, no, we're going to take eight. Okay. We want to make sure that you are better and well, we want to, you know, we just want to be sure on this. No reason to hurry or rush this. I'm like, why? Yeah. I got to get back. I got to get, you know, and I don't know. It, it's just what yeah, we do. I think and there's the, I mean, the commitment to the character, you don't want somebody else in there not portraying it the way you want. And that's, I think always a fear in the back of a performer. Someone's going to come in and replace you. And what if they're better or what if they like them or, you know, so there's that part of it. And there's also the part, I think that it goes to the character of the person that you have in there that, this is my job and I take it for real. I, I don't take it as some light little commitment. This is what I do and I'll do what I need to do to get back there. And if I have to suffer the consequences of it later, then that's, that's the case. But yeah, sometimes you really need, need somebody else to, to put you on a, a better path because I know for sure after having a neck fuse that there's no way I should have been back in two and a half weeks. So, um, yeah, I had my neck. Uh, I actually had an accident right at the beginning of this season where I ended up in the emergency room and they had to take um, an x-ray of my head. They're trying to see if I had a concussion. I hit the cement pretty hard stitches and all that stuff. But I'm like, yeah, you, you don't have a concussion, but man, your neck, your neck is jacked yeah. up. You have so you have so much arthritis in your neck. I'm like, really? I just I'm like, yeah, you're gonna have. Problems. I've just been wearing this heavy head for uh, 30 years, so I don't know what could have caused that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why is this all compressed? Yeah. I don't know. Come on. I <laughs> know. Uh, uh, did they find God, anything? That's great. Did you they know, find anything inside that head when they X-rayed it? Was there any any brain left or anything? <laughs> <laughs> Not much. Just a couple uh, couple little uh, fading light yeah. bulbs in there, but yeah. You know, so speaking of that air ram, yeah. I tried that one time yeah. and it was after, it was after, um, the gorilla, it was after you tried it and everything. Um, yeah, I was like, man, I, I want to do that. I want to do that. And so I found a guy locally that was doing movies and, you know, had one of those. And by, by the way, if anybody doesn't know what this is, it's one of the things that, that they use in movies where like somebody gets. You know, steps on a landmine or something like steps on a landmine. Yeah. And they get thrown. Well, this is what mm -hmm. they use. And it just, you, you step on it and then you have to lean into yes. it. So, I mean, not, well, you have to step and lean all at the same time because it just literally snaps and, 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 um, it's like a, it's like a major version of, of a mousetrap type of thing. Yep. I mean, you step on it and it just goes, just throws you. So I tried that and learned very quickly. That was not for me. Yeah. Nah, I couldn't it's, do it. I just, it's impressive, but not for what the sacrifice is. Just the pressure it puts on all your joints, taking off of one leg and, and trying to do what we were trying to, you know, dunking from three point line and stuff. That's just, your body's not made for that. Eventually something's going to go wrong at some point, whether they turn up the pressure too high or, you step on it a little awkward or you're twisted or it's just for bang for your buck. You can still, everybody's made a well enough career just using a trampoline or, or some other device like that, as opposed to that air pressure, <laughs> you know, the regulator could be off yeah. anything. So, but, but it was <laughs> I know. impressive to do. I mean, 
the feeling doing it flying through the air through the air for at above 10 you know you have to be at 10 feet at the rim so you have to be if you look at the arc of it you got to be probably almost 15 feet up at some point going 28 feet away that's that's a lot that's a lot to put on without a wire on you or something like that so you know trying it out of costume was one yeah. thing and then in in my costume, it was you know such a bigger yeah. head and not. Uh, I'm assuming that you did this in I, Super Hugo. I did. Hugo. That's the only way I would. Yeah, would, I tried it in the Hugo costume just from the. I mean, from the free throw line, it's not that violent of a of a yeah, ride. But you're right with all the different things: the weight of your shoes, the weight if your costume drags through the air, if the head's heavier. There's a lot of things that you'd have to deal with on that, and you know you don't see it anymore. Just the placement of your oh, foot on exactly. it, not being able to yeah. see very well. Yeah. But you don't see anyone using it anymore. So they're, they're, it's, it's not impressive <laughs> enough for people to sacrifice that much, I guess. Maybe that's, that's right. You one taught thing us all a lesson learn. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for sacrificing yeah. on that one yeah. for us. <laughs> Taking the bullet. Man, gosh, Mike, there's so much. You've got so much history. Have you told – I mean, you need to write a book. <laughs> and there's so much there. Yeah, we could all I mean, gosh, we we should all get together. I mean, this is part of what this podcast is about is just getting stories out there and telling yeah, people you got to record uh, it someone or, or giving record some, it before we're all gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully this is getting getting the word out a little yeah. bit about some of the sacrifices physically, uh, mentally. You know, uh, the one thing that I think you'll agree on is that this job does afford uh, good family time. Yeah. And uh, you're a good family man, and I know that about you. You made a lot of sacrifices to keep your family in yeah. Charlotte. You... And that was uh, one of the hardest parts. Uh, Everyone would say, oh, you're like superstar. You just fly in, do the games, leave. I'm like, it's not, it's not that. Once you start doing it, it's not impressive like that. It's, I mean, anyone that travels a lot, you know, at first it sounds cool, but your daughter tells you, don't leave, Daddy, I'll be good. You know, you just – you don't want to miss certain times in their lives and things like that, but you've committed to this team to go and do all these things. But then again, I'd have the summers where I could spend, you know, a bunch of time with them. So there's every job has its, its pluses and minuses and you just got to evaluate it. And what's, what are your priorities and what's good to you? But I think this job, well, that job <laughs> um, does, <laughs> does give uh, a unique, career path for some people and you know when I realistically when I got into it um, Bob was in Phoenix and I thought I go to Charlotte and do this for a few years while I can still do gymnastics and stuff I never dreamed that it would be 17 years and I I'm assuming that you didn't either and he didn't think it would be 31 year career Um, and I know getting to your 50s it's pushing the limit I I stopped in my 40s but uh, all the more power to you guys just stay in shape, stay healthy. And you got to make somewhat wise decisions. Right. There's, there's some things I've been practicing lately. Doing doing it long enough. You know, you realize the odds catch up with you as well. No one's getting out of it completely unscathed. And, and I know you're doing all types of athletic things and Bob has too. And um, the one good thing when you're out of it, usually you have less surgeries, but uh, it doesn't keep you as in, in as good a, in as good a shape of having a, a regular job like like now. But it does give you some good memories and gives you some. I've noticed it's helped me in a, a sales career now. Is just something that makes you a little 
unique. There's not a whole lot of ex-NBA mascots that people in Charlotte are talking to that grew up watching you perform out on the floor and now they're a business owner or something. So it has its perks sometimes still, but then you get to do these cool podcasts with some old uh, co-workers. And <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> well, we've had a real camaraderie. I think over the years we've all uh, you know, had a connection, whether we were close or not, we at least have a connection in, in this arena and, you know, having this, having the, the few amount of uh, people doing it or have done it. I mean, it's just a finite group. And I think we all have a brotherhood in that. Oh, I do too. I, I, so, you know, I love catching and hopefully you felt that since you left and hopefully I'll feel that when yeah. I leave, you know, oh, I have, definitely. It, it, you know, knowing that good, good. Cause uh, man, we sure miss you. You were, you were the pinnacle. You were at the pinnacle. You were, um gosh top of the top of the charts and top of the game for for a long time well, i think timing and, was, uh, you know real credit timing to you. was important too like anything in your life but i think the early 90s when mascots were just in the nba at least were becoming more popular and more used it was that was kind of the the heyday i feel like i don't, I don't i'm not in it right now so i don't know maybe it's even more so now but it just seemed like there was a, a small group of people that uh, could do certain things and that would get um, certain opportunities and you felt you know somewhat somewhat special and it, it just it was there's not there wasn't as many other things to distract people from when we first started in Charlotte there was no Carolina Panthers so we were the only show there was no Twitter or all the other social medias that everybody can get their content out so if you didn't see it on sports center or something like that you know that was just coming out and becoming big and you know you captured a whole lot more eyeballs that way so i think a lot of it was yeah and the thing was to get on sports center yeah exactly yeah whether it's something good or something bad whether charles barkley's whooping your butt or whether you're doing a crazy (laughs) stunt (laughs) that's right yeah Man, it was just, you know, and, and I think you you said timing was everything. Well, timing really is. I mean, at that time, uh, I guess during your years and everything, really, uh, for a lot of those years, we were rock stars, yeah. you know, and uh, it was it was kind of new and fresh and things like that. And, and uh, we still get uh, the respect and we still get the opportunities and things like that. But, um, you know, for a while there, there was it was kind of a like a, a rush on mascots, you know, it was the gold rush type of thing. It was a, there was a fever and, yeah. and uh, people all over the world wanted you there and things like that. So yeah, yeah it was, it was great. But uh, all right, Mike. So any other stories you want to share before I go, anything else you want to get out there, anything with a player or a referee or well, anything like that? I, I did have a good experience with, uh, I think we all know him. He's retired now, but Dick Bavetta, um, my oh, yes. second year in the league, they had that show Inside Stuff, and, and they had Stuffy Awards. And, and Dick, Dick Bavetta, Dick Bavetta, uh, just so everybody knows, is, uh, is a very well-known NBA referee. So, retired now. now retired. But... Once uh, raced Charles Barkley on, on camera for, for some contest charity. But he was a good guy. He's from New Jersey. And um, I met him at Inside Stuff. He used to have a stuffy awards it was like their um best of for the year and they invited me up with Ahmad Rashad and um his co-host and g- gave me a stuffy award for mascot of the year and Dick Bavetta was up there and 
we got to, I got to talk to him out of the costume and got to know him a little bit. So whenever he'd come to Charlotte, he'd always try to help and any type of skit that I wanted him to get into. But it got to a point where he was overzealous. I, I used to do a change where I'd go from Hugo to into a phone booth and come out as Super Hugo. And he thought he'd be funny and opening the doors before and trying to expose me. And I ended up getting locked in there because of the way he had hit it as well as we had a really big um, Hornet blimp. And I would, at the end of the year, I made it seem like, you know, in case I popped it, it I, I have to wait till the end of the year, the last game of the year, I would dunk over it. And it was probably when the wings up, it was almost as high as the basket. And um, Dick Pavetta decided to jump in between the trampoline and the, and the blimp to uh, shake his hands and like, all right, now go over me too. But, the way it was set up that I had to take it at an angle that I knew I would, my knees would hit him right in the face. So I had to get him to move and he'd come back in and uh, it was just crazy. So I, uh, I always liked dealing with him <laughs> and in a positive way. And when I first started the first couple of years, you could still, they didn't have as many rules as they do now. And I would bring an eye chart out in front of the referees if they've made a couple bad calls. And we had a, a doll that dressed up as a referee and threw him off the top um, level and all things that are really frowned upon and probably finable now, but we got away with a lot of fun things and they understood that we're out there doing a job. And if you approach them the right way and didn't completely embarrass them, they would, they would usually play along, but uh, they always seem to think that, they'd ask me, when's the other guy coming out that does the dunks? That was the hardest thing that everybody thought it was two completely different people. And I would talk to him in the costume out on the court. I'm, I'd say, it's me. He said, no, no, there's a different guy that dresses up as uh, Super Hugo. I'm like, yeah, that's me. I get changed. He's like, no, I don't think you're getting it. I'm like, all right. So I came out as Super Hugo. <laughs> no, you're not getting it. I come out in Super Hugo and smack him on the butt. And I'm like, yeah, do you believe me? He's like, all right, all right, just stay away from me. That was Steve Javi, who was another very known referee who's out of the league now. It was, uh, you know, Steve Javi. I, I love that guy. He uh, was, he would sometimes scream at me. And then other times uh, he was, you know, my best friend out there as well, but you know, he's doing the, the um, Steve Javi's doing the uh, NBA, like uh, yeah, commentating uh, as the referees uh, point. Yeah. Com- yes. Yeah, funny to yes. see him there. So that's that guy. If you ever see yeah. him. Yep. He's thrown out so many players. <laughs> I never, I never oh, did get has. thrown out of a game though. I got threatened. <laughs> I got threatened a couple times yeah. too. Never got yeah. thrown out. I think Steve Javi was one of those yeah. that does, you know, early Catch on the, yeah. before I got to know him. As the older they get, the more they understand this is all entertainment. So these guys are just out here doing a job, but they don't want to be embarrassed either out there. So no, no, but. Man, that's awesome, and I love Dick Pavetta. Yeah. He was a great guy, and I had him get a couple. I had him get overzealous a yeah. couple times uh-huh. too. He let me, uh, or yeah, one time he. I think I already said this on a podcast, but he uh, he uh, saw that I was about to flip over some cheerleaders, some dancers, and uh, ran out there and knelt down in front of him as well. And so I had to go over an <laughs> yeah. extra person. You're not making so it any better. I'm like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I love the show and everything, but I hope I got the legs for it. So, yeah. <laughs> man, great guy though. He was always uh, talking to people in uh, the fa- in the stands, yeah. and uh, we had a um, 
uh, we had a guy, uh, John, who was in a wheelchair at every game. And uh, every time every time Dick Vetta was in town, I'd make sure that uh, uh, I would go out there and, and tell him, hey, John says hi. And uh, so he'd, he'd actually walk off the court, walk over and, and uh, shake his hand. Yeah, that's the little so. things like that nobody else knows about or sees that a lot of these guys are – or you mascots or um, players do that. That's the things that you, you remember when you're all done, the, the little things that nobody else even knew about or saw or cared about, but that's what kind of makes you feel like yeah. hey, I'm doing something that's worthwhile, whether everybody sees it or not. So. That's yeah. right. It's those small, sweet moments yep. that uh, make all the difference. And those are the things you remember. Yeah. Gosh, I just feel like uh, there's so much more we could cover and, and everything. I really, really appreciate you, you uh, coming on here, taking your time. I know you got a full day and everything, but man, it's been a pleasure. You have great stories, well, thank you. really, <laughs> man. Well, I, so, I, appreciate I really appreciate it. appreciate your friendship I as well. Appreciate you uh, having this podcast so that somewhere it's recorded uh, all these different stories from all these different guys because I think it, it's important to capture it and it's an important part of the history of it and an important part of what the NBA is, whether it's NBA or other mascots, but you know, it's an important part of entertainment and sports that isn't always looked upon or talked about or even known about. Right. So you're doing, you're right. doing a good a lot job. Of stuff is just going to be forgotten. Well, I yeah. appreciate that. I appreciate that. Sure. Hey, well, Hey, have a great day, okay. Mike. You too. And uh, again, thanks again. Let's keep in All touch right, and uh, sure. Have appreciate good- you, man. Love All you, right. brother. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey everybody, Ken here. As you know, I'm a professional mascot and as one, need to be in good shape. I used to box, I even trained with a professional boxer to keep in shape. However, then I discovered kickboxing. Let me tell you, kickboxing really is an amazing full body workout. My friends over at Total Fitness Kickboxing lead me through a high intensity workout designed for every fitness level, where you can burn up to a thousand calories all while having a blast. It really is a good time. It's like they're having, hosting a party, almost. Classes are 45 minutes long and they are over before you know it. So if you're bored with a regular treadmill meathead gym, check out Total Fitness Kickboxing. Your first class is free and the memberships are way more affordable than you think. Check out Total Fitness Kickboxing at totalfitnesskickboxing.com for a location near you. Total Fitness Kickboxing, where I Hit the gym harder. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for, the podcast.